0: Good morning, everybody, and Encuentro is back after being away for three months. I believe the last um, episode was the 25th of March. Um, Let's begin with the prayer of St. Francis. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, make me a means of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, let me bring joy. Divine Master, grant that I may seek not so much to be consoled, but to console. Not so much to be understood, but to understand. Not so much to be loved, but to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in forgiving that we are forgiven. And it is in dying to ourselves that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Like I said earlier, uh, the last Encuentro episode uh, was the 25th of March. I think I've shared with uh, uh, with all of you uh, my COVID journey, you know, two bouts of COVID and then, uh, you know, a mild stroke uh, because of uh, my diabetes. Um... These are the crosses that the Lord sends us. Um, he doesn't send them himself; he allows them in order to to test us, to to try us, but at the same time to strengthen us. You know, they're not meant to destroy us; they're meant to make us stronger, uh, make our determination to to continue uh, being joyful, uh, being happy, uh, seeking to do His will in spite of the many trials that come our way, and you know, uh, we remain grateful. Uh I'd like to begin uh the podcasts again. Hopefully uh, they, they won't be interrupted anymore like the last time with any more illnesses. But as in all things, everything's in the Lord's hands. Um for a gospel reading I'd, I'd like to use the gospel reading from yesterday. Um and it is taken from uh Saint Matthew chapter nine verses thirty-two to thirty eight. A demoniac, who could not speak, was brought to Jesus, and when the demon was driven out of the man, he spoke. And the crowds were amazed and said, nothing like this has ever happened or been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he drives out demons by the prince of demons. But Jesus went around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, curing every disease and illness. At the sight of the crowds, his heart was moved with pity for them, because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. In this episode, uh, I'd like to talk about something that I've been trying to promote over the last couple of months um, online. And I I call it the St. Benedict option. I'll explain a bit what exactly it is. You know, in today's gospel, or actually yesterday's gospel, Jesus was accused by the Pharisees of healing through the power of demons. Rather than become discouraged, though, I mean, Jesus just keeps on doing the good that he was doing and accomplishing the task that the Father had, had given him. You know, uh, as I was sharing with with folks yesterday at Mass, uh, at one point uh, I had this amazing student in seminary, really great kid, and um, he's still in seminary. Uh, I believe that one day if he and the Lord uh, both decide that that is really uh, what the Lord needs him to do and that is what is going to provide him with the greatest source of joy and, and, and happiness and fulfillment in life then he'd, he'd, he'd make an amazing, amazing priest. You know, hardworking, great leader. Um, and he was always uh, out there trying to help people in community, and everybody relied on him. Um, so he was an all-around great student, you know, hardworking, diligent, uh, very smart. Um, but I noticed, you know, one day, uh, actually it was gradual, he began to sort of withdraw From not just the community, but from from helping people. You know, um, he was less and less visible, and, you know, the usual uh, leader of the community uh, started to, for lack of a better word, hide. So, you know, one day decided to to talk to him. I said, hey, what's what's going on? You know, uh, are you all right? Is everything all right? You you seem to uh, have just disappeared you know, from the community. And there's a lot of people who uh, rely on you and uh, who see you as somebody that, uh, that could not only lead but uh, really cares. And uh, what he told me, uh, kind of struck me, uh, didn't really surprise me because I've encountered that situation with, with other students before. He says, well, just says, Father, you know, it um, doesn't really matter how much good I do or uh, how much help I extend to people in community. Um, there are always people who, who, who ascribe, uh, you know, um, not very pleasant, not very good motives to uh, the work that I do. And uh, it starts to get to me at some point. It makes me feel bad, it discourages me. Uh, I do get affirmation here and there, but for the most part, the. You know, the, the unkind words uh, far outweigh the affirmations. I understood that he started growing tired and, and weary. okay, uh, Because some of the, uh, um, the unkind comments, if you will, uh, uh, didn't only come from his peers. Some of them came from uh, his professors ascribing ulterior motives for the hard work that he was doing in in community kind of like what jesus must have felt on certain occasions actually on many occasions with the scribes and the pharisees you know he'd do something good he'd heal and help people and yet you have these scribes and pharisees who you know who don't only not affirm him they they, uh, they actually ascribe uh, bad motives to what he does and in the gospel that we just read, uh, they're ascribing the power that he has to, to heal, uh, not to God the Father, but to demons. I mean, that must have been really discouraging. Now, St. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, chapter 6, uh, verse 9, you know, says very clearly, he says, My brothers, do not grow weary doing good. Yeah? Just do not grow weary of doing good, and you know, I told that to uh, to that particular student, and I had hoped that slowly it would help him. But but you know, healing uh, doesn't uh, happen simply because we quote a Bible verse, um, and it doesn't happen immediately. It takes time. Mm-hmm. It's easier said than done, you know. Uh, obeying or following St. Paul's uh, words because there are times uh, and these aren't few for, for some of us when in spite of our best intentions, in spite of all the hard work, in spite of the strong desire we have to do God's will and to love and care for others, our, our efforts aren't only rejected and criticized You know, sometimes we're, we're vilified and sometimes we are ostracized you know, sometimes in spite of, you know, all the hard work, okay, uh, the, the headache, the heartache, uh, <laughs> the body aches, you know, that go with, with doing the work that is given to us, doing the ministry that has been given to us. Um, people ascribe all sorts of wrong motives and they don't only not affirm us, you know, they, they try to put barriers and hindrances along the way. And I'm not talking here simply on the personal level. I'm sure that all of us from time to time have experienced something like that. I'm also talking about about it on the communal and then the social level as well. I mean, think about the church. I mean the church is the single largest provider of social and charitable goods and services, second only to national governments all over the planet. Oh yes, we've been beset by terrible scandals over the past couple of decades, you know. The church has always from time to time been beset by terrible scandals just think about the protestant revolt in the 16th century but the fact remains that christians and and we catholics especially and i'm not you know uh, tooting our own horn here uh, we have been singularly devoted to alleviating the the plight of countless millions in the world you know and yet we are also assailed on so many fronts and uh, so many levels so when that happens, I mean, what should a disciple's response uh, to such a situation be? And not only individually, but, but as a community of believers. What should we do when, in spite of all our efforts, um, we are interpreted just as Jesus was interpreted by the scribes and the Pharisees in today's gospel reading uh, and seen in a, in a negative light? What do we do? Now, there's a book written by uh, Rod Dreher. Uh, he's a Christian author, uh, a very thoughtful one. Uh, it was written a couple of years ago. It was called The Benedict Option. Okay, the Benedict Option, named after, of course, uh, Saint Benedict of Nursia, you know, the great father of uh, Western monasticism. Now, the main thrust of this work of uh, Mr. Dreher, the main thesis, if you will, uh, is that a Christian disciple of today, okay, being assailed on practically every front by anti-Christian and anti-religious sentiment, um, should, uh, well, for lack of a better word, you know, he should just barricade himself against the world and society. Okay? And I'm pretty sure that from time to time, all of us feel that. You're trying to live a good, honest, decent, moral Christian life and you are looked upon uh, as not only somewhat of a freak, uh, but also that you uh, are anti this or anti that, right? So Mr. Dreyer's suggestion is, well, the best thing to do is to barricade ourselves against the world and society, which again, for lack of a better expression, is going to hell in a handbasket. So why can't we just take refuge in a citadel that's surrounded by a kind of moat, okay? And we can simply live our life uh, following Christ, uh, following his teachings and his commandments, and we can remain untouched by the secular world and its concerns and its depravity. You know, some of those who subscribe to this idea, you know, sometimes he even quote Pope Benedict Sixteenth, who once said that the church of the future, and we're already seeing it, bits and pieces of it at least, uh, being faced with such animosity from the world and society should be ready to be a small church. And Pope Francis has has uh, quoted this uh, on occasion. You know, we should be ready to become a small church made up of faithful believers who will remain steadfast in their following of, of Christ. Now, while Pope Benedict... Didn't advocate the the closure of the church, you know, the hiding behind a citadel, if you will, uh, behind thick walls, and he never concluded that the church should simply leave the world to its own designs. Uh, um, There are some individuals who have interpreted Pope Benedict's words to mean precisely that, you know, and the idea is, um, oh, let 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 the world rot if it wants to. Because anyway it doesn't want to listen to us. Yeah. We have the we have the we have the truth. Um, we have we have the answers to uh the questions and the problems that the world is having and it, it would it wants none of it, so let it rot. You know, because anyway we can't do anything about it. So what do we do as Christians? Well we just batten down the hatches, circle the wagons, raise the drawbridge and, and protect ourselves within the safety of uh, these thick and high walls, of a kind of uh, Christendom under siege. Okay, it's kind of comforting to think, you know, if that is in fact possible. But let me say two things, actually three, about about this this mindset, and that's what I'd like to be able to talk about in this uh, relaunch of this podcast you know, first, um, why was it called the Benedict Option anyway, okay? Second, um, why, why is it that, you know, in spite, uh, 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 of the positive points that can be found in it, and there are positive points, we do need to protect the church from, you know, um, certain negative influences that are there in the world and in secular society. Not everything that comes from the world society is good, not everything is bad, so, um, There are some positive points in Rod Dreher's idea, you know, it's found in the Benedict Option, Um, but it's ultimately incompatible. And that's, that's the point I'd like to make. It's ultimately incompatible. Hiding behind thick walls, you know, in order to protect ourselves from the world is incompatible with the mandate that Jesus gave to his disciples and to the church and to us. It just won't work. And there's a third point, and, and that is, well, how do we bridge the two? How do we bridge the good points that we find in uh, Mr. Dreyer's book, okay? Which advocates a closing off of the church, okay? And uh, the idea that somehow we, we do have to engage with the world, we do have to encounter the world, and we do have to immerse ourselves in, in the messiness of the world. There's a middle ground, and that's what I've been calling and promoting as uh, the St. Benedict Option. So, it's similar to what Mr. Rod is advocating, but it's also not. It differs also from it. And let's start with the first one. Why is it called a, the, the, the Benedict Option? You know St. Benedict was a, uh, was a Christian monk, of course. Okay? Uh, he began a movement of reform. In Western Christianity, uh, founded the Abbey of Monte Cassino in Italy and began a movement of renewal in the life of the church, in the monastic life of the church as well. And that renewal spread throughout uh, Western Christianity and had a tremendously positive impact, not only within the church itself, but within society at that time. So um, that is the source, the inspiration, if you will, of the uh, title of Mr. Dreyer's book, uh, The Benedict Option, you know, Saint Benedict of Nursia. Um, The book was written in 2017. The whole title is actually The Benedict Option, a strategy for Christians in a post-Christian nation. We might as well call it a post-Christian world, although the world was never really Christian. And it's actually debatable whether any nation has ever actually been fully Christian. But you know, that is the title: A Strategy for Christians in a Post-Christian Nation. It was written in 2017. Um it was a commentary on Christianity and and its interface with Western culture. You know, and Rod Dreher drew from the inspiration of, of two persons actually, Saint Benedict, and the other person was a Christian philosopher, Alice MacIntyre. McIntyre. Um, I enjoyed reading McIntyre's writings, and he's very thought provoking and and thoughtful, but at the same time, you know, it's very anchored onto. Uh, uh, classical traditional modes of thinking if you will okay so dreyer argues that because the world and society is becoming more and more secular okay and by secular of course he also means anti-religious okay? we need he says to to form christian communities kind of like these monastic communities before okay but we don't need to you know, actually live in community, but what he's talking about is a community of the mind, a coming together of the mind and the heart, okay? Uh, A community of virtue, if you will, a community that lives the the ideals, the principles uh, of Christianity amidst a sea, in a sea, if you will, of uh, uh, radical, rabid, even uh, secularization. Um, the thing is, Alasdair McIntyre himself responding to, uh, the book for which he was an inspiration, um, he himself kind of distanced himself from it and he characterized the Benedict option as it's a politically conservative movement and he's right, he's right, Nay, eh? There is a certain conservatism, even an ultra-conservatism in the, uh, in the ideas of Mr. Dreyer, and the idea that, you know, uh, two things. One, uh, in the face of the uh, challenges of secularization, uh, we need to barricade ourselves. Uh, and second, and this is the, the more difficult and, I dare say, problematic pro- uh, proposal, uh... The assumption is that you know we need to barricade ourselves because the world is bad and we are good you know church good world bad you know church holy world evil and so it makes a clear cut uh, not just distinction but a division between a christian community that is holy and perfect even the societas perfecta, perfect the, the, the perfect society if you will um which also has all the right answers, okay? And, you know, this community is faced, you know, or, or faces a world and a society which is depraved, which has nothing good about it, which has no correct answers, and as I said earlier, is simply going to hell in a handbasket. Now, McIntyre says, as a critique of the Benedict Option, he says, um, we cannot withdraw from society, okay? Uh, isolation, isolating a Christian community or the church from society is, is not an option, okay? Uh, he says what, what what he's advocating instead is a creation of a new set of institutions yeah, uh, that will continue to evolve being inspired by the Christian ideals. Uh, You know, MacIntyre and Dreher quotes this. MacIntyre says, you know, we need a new Saint Benedict. But he says that by that, he doesn't mean that, you know, we should turn ourselves into, into monks. It's actually a wrong interpretation to think that monks hate the world. That is why they hide behind monastery walls. No, they don't hate the world. That's a misconception. You know, monks actually love the world so much, and they pray for it. You know, they offer their lives as a, as a prayer for the world. Monks do not flee the world. You know, we, 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 we have to remove that, that idea from our minds. You know, it's, it's a misconception of the monastic movement in, in Christianity, both East and West. They do not, they do not hate the world Okay? And that's why they become monks. I don't know. They become monks precisely because they love the world so dearly. They care for it and they pray for it and they offer their lives for it, you know, as a way to inspire the world, okay? as a way to sacrifice for the world. Okay? And so McIntyre says, I never suggested a withdrawal or an isolation from the world. Rather, what we need is a new kind of engagement in the social order. Okay, so how that's the idea. How can a Christian remain faithful to his ideals and, and principles, but engage the world using those ideals and principles as gifts to the world? Okay, and this is you know this brings me to my second point. You know the incompatibility of Rod Dreher's idea of the Benedict option with 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 the, with mission and evangelization. I mean. Jesus did not set up a community of perfect believers, okay, who would sit around in some kind of echo chamber, okay, with their leaders preaching to the choir constantly. No, no, no. Jesus says, "Go out there into the whole world and preach the good news. Go out to all the world," he says, "all the world and preach the good news." You know, not sit around in a in a in a small, you know, uh uh space huddled together trying to figure out how to better improve our communication with one another. I mean that that actually worked that was what the disciples were doing before the Holy Spirit came, if you guys remember they were sitting in the upper room you know windows and doors closed because of fear. You know and then the Holy Spirit comes, you know, descends upon each of them and the Blessed Mother, you know, like tongues of fire. And suddenly they go out there into the whole world. They're they're, they're brave. They open the doors. They open the windows. You know, they step out and they preach like they've never preached before. That was the mission that Jesus gave to the church, to the disciples, and to us. The world has to be won for Christ. We have to win it for Christ. But we can't do this if the church barricades itself behind thick walls in order to somehow protect itself from what it perceives as the messiness of the world. You know, Jesus entered a messy world. Jesus entered the messiness of our lives in order to save us. And so the church can do differently. We can't do differently. You know, we have to engage no matter how difficult it is. You know, Pope Francis has consistently and constantly reminded us against the dangers of what he calls a self-referential church. You know, one that constantly looks inwards instead of outward. You know, a church that becomes self-absorbed, you know, rather than absorbed in bringing the gospel to everyone. You know, especially to what he calls the existential peripheries or the margins of society. You know, from time to time... There would be a person who would come to me uh with you know a lot of serious problems and and uh and just a ton of uh things that they have to deal with, that they worry about, that they're anxious about. And you know, um sometimes I talk to these individuals and and it makes me wonder, you know, um it's true they have problems. It's, it's true they have difficulties and challenges, but but there's an added difficulty and challenge to the enumerated challenges that they sometimes bring to me, and that is that you know those challenges that they've list listed, you know, um, are all encompassed by a far bigger problem. And what is that? All those problems make them withdrawing to themselves. You know, they become self-absorbed. They look at the wounds over and over and over again. And, you know, as some psychologists say, you know, the the wounds are already healing in their scabs and they scratch the scabs and open the wounds again, over and over and over again. And so self-absorption, self-reference, becomes an additional problem for these individuals, And as Pope Francis constantly warns us, that could be a problem for the church too. Yes, there are problems in the church. You know, it's not a perfect community. It's a community of imperfect individuals seeking to be perfect, and it can only be perfected by its Lord. But we can't engage constantly, okay, in um, self-referential talk. Again, it's like an echo chamber and we talk to each other. And the windows are closed and the doors are closed and the Holy Spirit can come in. Which brings me to the you know the the middle ground between uh what Rod Dreyer is advocating and this other possibility, okay, which I call I call this the, the Saint Benedict option. Okay. Um How can the church, how can we uh, still concern ourselves with our needs, because we do? Uh, How can we still uh, pay attention to our concerns, and we have to, but at the same time, um, do what Jesus asks us to do, to step out of ourselves and engage? You know, how can we remain true to ourselves and pay attention to our needs, but not allow that identity or those needs to define and determine everything about us such that it becomes everything about us. I call this the Saint Benedict option. And what is the Saint Benedict option? It's a middle ground, okay, between what Rod Dreher and others like him kind of advocate and another equally dangerous tendency that popes from Pope John the Twenty Third all the way to Pope Francis have been warning us against. And what is that other opposite tendency? The tendency opposite to what Rod Dreher is advocating. Well, it's the danger of transforming the mission of the church into something more worldly, more secular, more banal, if you will. We can use the term social activism, if you will, as a kind of shorthand for this opposite mindset, you know. If Mr. Dreyer's Benedict Option suggests a kind of uh, a closure, the creation of a ghetto, if you will, you know, we're all self-enclosed, the other extreme uh, would water down the identity of the Christian faith and of the church and completely secularize it. So let's merge our mindset with the tendencies of the world and society. I mean, you can see tendencies, Of that in the church itself, where you know you have believers, you know, you have Christians, you have Catholics who who mimic the way of the world, okay? They use the methods of the world, the language of the world, and the idea is that we can use the ways of the world, okay, to further the mission of the gospel. Now, is it possible to do that? Yes. Absolutely, because there are good things to be found in the world. Social media is one of them. But in doing so, we also have to be circumspect, um, prudent is the term, such that uh, the message, the gospel, is not gobbled up and confused with the mode by which we proclaim the message, you know? It is Christ that we proclaim, not ourselves. Okay? It is Christ and the gospel that is important, not the manner by which we proclaim Christ in the gospel. And sometimes we, we get caught up in the peripherals, okay? especially in social media, and we forget the essential. You know, I remember a number of years ago, um, this is in England, in England, and, you know, these weren't Catholics, you know, they were, they were Anglicans, but you'll get the point. Um, there was a, a movement within the Anglican Church to use secular music in their worship services. You know? And so at one point they created what was called a U2 Mass, you know U2, named after the band, you know, headed by Bono. So the idea was that they would make the Mass or the liturgy, the Anglican liturgy, more hip and more in, and therefore it would attract more young people if instead of using um, Christian music, church music, they would use music from an album of you 2 You know, they thought it would be more appealing to people, especially the young. So, again, this is an instance of uh, the church well-intentioned, or people in the church being well-intentioned, but Mimicking the ways of the world, using the ways of the world in the belief that um, This would make The more effective In bringing the gospel to people Now the U2 masses clicked for a while Okay But then they just became a bad U2 concert type of gathering You know and, and Eventually They died out It was Whereas the Christian liturgy, the Mass, okay, is 2,000 years old. You know, I had a professor in college seminary who used to say, do not embellish the Mass. You don't need to embellish the Mass. The Mass and the liturgy is eloquent in itself. It is 2,000 years old. Do not think, and he said this, do not be arrogant and think, That you, that you, okay, know more than 2,000 years of accumulated history. And he's right. He's right. You know, we don't have to latch on to every new fad in the world in order to preach the good news. You know, there was a... There was a tendency in the late 60s and 70s to water down Christian symbols and merge them with more secular and mundane ones, okay? like crosses that looked like plus signs and churches that were flat, so they looked more like shopping malls than actual churches. And there were also really bad experiments in the liturgy. You know. Uh, it's actually as a strong reaction to these extreme tendencies that the more conservative push, to get back to the Tridentine liturgy eventually gained steam. And, you know, mercifully, Pope Francis is really trying to do his best right now, you know, to do a correction to all of these things. And so the, the Saint Benedict option, not the Benedict option, seeks to forge a middle ground, you know, find a golden mean between these two extreme tendencies. You know, the tendency to wall ourselves on the one hand, and the tendency to water down and make our identity disappear on the other hand making it no different from the world's identity. You know, if the church has nothing unique and different to offer uh, to the world, I mean, how can it point to Christ who, even though he was different from the world, entered the world in order to save it? I like to repeat that. If the church has nothing unique and different to offer to the world, if it's no different from the world, then how can the church point to Christ? Remember, Jesus himself was different, and yet he entered into our world and became one of us. Okay? Except in terms of sin, but he became one of us in order to save us. But going back to our gospel reading you know that we read earlier and to what uh, we, we had said earlier about not losing heart, and either barricading ourselves behind thick walls or simply allowing the world to take over efforts, perhaps we can take our cue and our inspiration, as we should, from Jesus himself, who remained faithful to the mission that his father had given him, no matter what. In the Encuentro episodes following this one, and this uh, relatively long one, uh, I missed you guys, and I missed talking to you guys, so uh, bear with me, I'd like to dig deeper into the possibility of forging this middle path, okay? And hopefully allow us to become more secure in who we are as Christians and in our work as disciples of winning the world for Jesus hmm? while remaining open and welcoming to the world. You know, a world which God so loved and which he asks us to love as well. You know, not as men and women of the world, but as men and women who are in the world, okay? We have to love the world, to serve the world, to embrace the world, but also recognize that this world is not and never will be our home. Heaven is.